My guess is that you have heard of pelvic floor physical therapy. Maybe you've gone, maybe you've considered going, but if you're like I was just a year ago, you might've been thinking, oh, well, I don't pee my pants, so I probably don't need to go because my muscles are probably strong down there. I'm active. I work out. My pelvic floor is not weak, so I probably don't need pelvic floor physical therapy, even though I had two kids, right? That's literally what I was thinking just one year ago. So today I'm bringing you a pelvic floor physical therapist, Dr. Julie Hake. She actually is a pelvic floor physical therapist. I saw eight months after having my second baby. Um, Unfortunately, I waited and I wasn't educated on what pelvic floor physical therapy involves, what all your pelvic floor actually is made up of. Um, It's not just your abs. It's not just your pelvic floor muscles. It includes so much more. So today you're going to get educated on what pelvic floor physical therapy actually is, what makes up your pelvic floor and your pelvic floor, your core, all of that. You're also going to get educated on what a visit looks like. What makes a pelvic floor dysfunctional? Is it just weakness? What are some symptoms you might notice? And what are some ways that moms can heal postpartum from any pelvic floor dysfunction? Today's episode will be so helpful, whether you're expecting your firstborn or you're just fresh postpartum. And honestly, even if you're 20 years down the road from having kids, but you're experiencing some issues, or if you ever thought that, oh, what I'm going through is what everyone else goes through. So it's just normal. Well, Julie's here to tell you today that just because something is common doesn't mean that it's normal. So you are going to be just so educated today on what your pelvic floor is, what pelvic floor physical therapy can do for you and hopefully leave you equipped and empowered to go advocate for yourself and just make sure that you're getting the care that you need for your health ongoing. So let's get into this episode. Hey mama, welcome to the tough love mom podcast. I know you're here because you're ready to get disciplined and lose weight and you're not afraid of a little tough love. Taking on your journey postpartum is hard, but it's not impossible. I believe that we mamas have an ingrained ability to figure out what we need to do, make it happen no matter what, and do it in a way that inspires the world and sets a beautiful example of healthy living for our little ones. My mission is to help you uncover that ability and live a life of confidence and consistency. Hey, I'm Liz, and I've been where you are. I gained more than the suggested amount of weight in both of my pregnancies, but with sustainable habits, consistency, routine, and taking hold of my thoughts, I lost it all in just over a year, both times, and I'm here to help you do the same. If you're ready to stop falling off the wagon, truly break free from the perfectionism that is holding you back, and finally feel your best, all while enjoying dino nuggets on your salad, you are in the right place. It's time to get disciplined so you can live a life of consistency and true confidence, mama. We're about to transform your postpartum journey. Get pumped up. It is tough love time. If you have little kids around and you don't want them to hear certain words, obviously we're talking about biological things. We are talking about the body. We are talking about female anatomy. So if those things are concerning to you, throw some headphones in, um, maybe listen to this while you're driving alone, but just wanted to give you that little forewarning before we keep going. Hey, Julie, so glad that you're here. I just want to jump right into physical therapy, specifically pelvic floor physical therapy. So how did you get into it? Because um, it's definitely an area of specialty and one that moms need big time. But how did you Mm -hmm. get interested in it 
in physical therapy in general, but then also pelvic floor physical therapy. Um, as far as physical therapy goes, I have always been really interested in human movement. Um, I mean, you and I connected pretty quickly over both, you know, playing collegiate volleyball and, um, that was a big part of our lives. And I think, you know, when you're, when you're doing something at that high of a level, like you are really drawn into all the aspects of it and that, that part has always kind of been there. And so I wanted to be able to level up my knowledge there and be able to share that with other people. I really enjoy the the one-on-one aspect of getting to know patients and clients and everything like that and help them meet their goals and help them get to their next level. Um, So that's really what drew me into physical therapy. And then pelvic floor physical therapy, that was something that I had never even heard of until I was like halfway through PT school. I'd first heard about it at a conference. The person who presented on it was really cool. And she was just talking about things that need to be said, but I think people are just kind of shy about these taboo topics. And, um, you know, that's totally understandable, but I'm glad that there is more light being brought to these topics that have just been not talked about for so long, whether it's because we haven't had the knowledge or, were shy or scared to talk about them. And then ended up going to another conference and all of those topics um, that were in the pelvic floor, pelvic health realm um, were really interesting to me. I mean, I definitely grew up in a very conservative environment where it was like these topics were very hush hush. And, and then I went to college in California where it was like the complete opposite of that. And I was like, okay, this stuff like needs to be talked about. So it was just kind of like being able to make people feel comfortable with talking about these things was really important, but yeah, the topics are really interesting. They need to be talked about. There's a huge gap there. Uh, Absolutely. So what is pelvic floor physical therapy? Can you go through what it is, the bare bone basics? Cause there might be a mom listening. That's like, I didn't even know this was a thing. I didn't know it was a thing really until I was pregnant with my second, which is crazy Mm -hmm. to me. Cause I feel like I like to educate myself well on everything I'm going through. So what is pelvic floor physical therapy and what are like the basics of it? and the pelvic floor in general, what makes up the pelvic floor? Yeah. Um, I really like to start with that. When I talk about pelvic floor, physical therapy, just starting with what even is the pelvic floor, the pelvic floor is what's in between the, the bony pelvic outlet. So if you kind of think about sitting on a bike, the part that is touching the bike seat, that area is the pelvic outlet. And the pelvic floor muscles create like a hammock in that area. Those muscles, there are three layers of muscles there. I won't get into the anatomy and bore everyone, but with the the pelvic floor muscles, they have three main functions. And that is to stop and start the flow of urine and gas, aid in sexual function and support the pelvic organs. So really important muscles that are overlooked all the time. Like I see people all the time who've had back pain for years and years and, um, yeah, it turns out it was because of pelvic floor dysfunction. And I'll just kind of segue into what pelvic floor dysfunction means. Um, And that's kind of an umbrella term for two more umbrella terms of overactive and underactive pelvic floor muscles. So when you have overactive pelvic floor muscles, it's usually due to tension, stress, and can lead to, um, well, those aren't the only two things, but those are, are typically what I see and can lead to 
leaking, pelvic pain, so pain with intercourse, pain with inserting a tampon, pain with pelvic exams, things like that. Um, you know, things that a lot of people just think are, are normal and just until they talk to someone and find out, oh, it's not. And hey, there is something that you can do about it. You don't have to live like that. And then there is the underactive pelvic floor muscle umbrella, which also can have leaking or um, pelvic organ prolapse, which can kind of sound like a scary term, but essentially it is just when the pelvic floor muscles are not doing as good of a job as they should be in supporting the pelvic organs. Um, so that leads to kind of some pressure heaviness in the pelvic floor. I've heard it described as people feeling like their organs are falling out. They're not, don't worry. Um, <laughs> so yeah, those are kind of the two, two umbrella terms. So overactive and underactive pelvic floor muscles. Pelvic floor physical therapy is a specialty of physical therapy that focuses on the hips, low back, abdomen, and pelvic floor. And just within this specialty, there are different areas. So some people focus really on pelvic pain. Some people focus on digestive issues. There's pregnancy and postpartum aspect of it. There's a lot that goes into pelvic floor PT. So <laughs> there's my long answer to your simple question. <laughs> It's so good to know that though, because often I think as postpartum moms, we hear pelvic floor physical therapy and you think, oh, I don't need that because I'm not peeing in my pants. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and like for me, I had really bad back pain and a lot mm -hmm. of that was due to overactive pelvic floor. And we often think, oh, well, you'll need pelvic floor therapy if it's weak. And there's so many different aspects and layers to your pelvic floor and what pelvic floor physical therapy can do. And I feel like it's just, it's all of that starting to come to the surface and be better understood mm -hmm. by moms in general. Is there a way to tell if you have overactive pelvic floor muscles versus underactive? Because it sounds like some of the symptoms and presentations are very similar. Is there a way you can tell, or maybe like lifestyle choices that might indicate which one you might be struggling with more? I mean, the best way, like the gold standard of figuring out whether um, pelvic floor muscles are either under or overactive is by doing an internal examination. That's where you're really going to get the full picture. But oftentimes symptoms that, you know, present together with overactive pelvic floor muscles, and you'll hear some overlap between overactive and underactive as you already have. But with overactive, you know, you can still, you can still have leaking with overactive pelvic floor muscles. Constipation is uh, lumped in there a lot. These are usually, you know, fit, active clients, or if they have, you know, a high stress job or lifestyle. Did I mention constipation already? Because that's lumped in. Okay, <laughs> that's a yeah, that's a symptom that some people are just like, oh yeah, I've had this for forever and it's not going to change, and then it does. So yeah, tight hips, things like that, they can all contribute into um, overactive pelvic floor muscles, and then underactive. Um, you see that leaking again. And then this is kind of where I see more of like that pressure heaviness feeling in the pelvis, or if they're, you know, newly postpartum birth is a traumatic experience for the pelvic floor. And so that can definitely weaken the pelvic floor, especially, you know, going throughout pregnancy is it's like wearing a backpack every day for nine months, like it's heavier every single day. And it, it puts a lot of stress and pressure on the pelvic floor for sure. Absolutely. So what does an initial visit look like if a mom were to go and I guess two, it's like a three-part question. What would an initial okay. visit look like? Uh, why should a mom go? 
And third part is when could she start going? So I guess what, why, and when for that initial visit? Okay. Everybody kind of does it a little bit differently. So I am a mobile and virtual physical therapist. So what that looks like with me is I definitely recommend, you know, your first visit being in person so that that initial encounter, we can get the the internal examination done to really get the full picture. But what that looks like is just a, a thorough kind of interview and making sure that, that you feel heard. That's like the number one thing. So many women are just dismissed by healthcare providers. And I have a lot of people stop and say, you're the first person who's actually stopped and listened to what I've had to say. Like, I want to hear it all, your birth story, what you've been going through, what your goals are, what you've tried. I want to hear it all. And I tell this to my patients all the time. I talk about poop, pee, sex all day, every day. So nothing is TMI. I've heard it all. And then after we're really clear on, on kind of what you've been going through and, and where you want to go, then we'll do an orthopedic examination where I'll check out your spine, hips, and abdomen and see how uh, the mobility and strength may be contributing to any issues with the pelvic floor. And then from there with your consent, then we would go into an internal examination to assess the strength coordination and mobility of the pelvic floor muscles, as well as um, how well they're supporting the pelvic organs and their endurance as well. So it's a, it's a pretty thorough examination and really gets, gets the full picture. I like to have that, that full like 90 minutes of time so that, you know, if you do have an extensive background and you've gone from healthcare provider to healthcare provider, like I understand what you've tried so that I'm, I'm not just giving you the same thing that you've tried before. And then, sorry, what was the second part of that question? Why would a mom want to go? And when could she have that initial, initial visit? Like, could she come during pregnancy? Would that be beneficial? Would it be beneficial to wait until after pregnancy? Can she come 20 years after her last pregnancy? When's a good time to go as well? Yeah. Yeah. So a good time to go and to start pelvic floor physical therapy. I really encourage people to start their, um, their care and get that relationship with their pelvic floor physical therapist during pregnancy, especially if you're just kind of feeling overwhelmed with all of the information that is on the internet or wherever you're getting your information from, it can be really confusing. There's so much stuff out there where it's like, you know, you go to one guru and they say one thing and then another guru says the complete opposite. And that's not to say that, you know, one person's wrong. There are multiple ways to get to the same goal, but it, it cuts down on, on chasing after all these exercises and things that you can be doing for yourself cuts down on a lot of trial and error. So once you, you know, have established that, that care, then you can talk about pushing strategies and things to make your, your labor and delivery a little bit easier. If that's a concern of yours or staying fit during pregnancy. I know that's, that's a big thing where a lot of people will still say, what are you doing exercising during pregnancy? Like that's not safe. It's I, I, so I'm a big chiefs fan and Patrick Mahomes, the quarterback, his fiance was pregnant recently. She just had a baby and, um, she is a personal trainer and she's posting videos of herself, like working out, um, during pregnancy. And I just clicked on the comments because I was curious what people had to say. And it was a hot mess in there. All this just unsolicited 
and incorrect advice without knowing her situation and everything. So yeah, so that, sorry, went off on a little tangent there, but yeah. And then after delivery, generally to get the internal exam, you want to wait until your six week appointment with your OBGYN. They're looking for anything, you know, blatantly wrong, but most of the time they're not going to do a pelvic floor muscle assessment or anything like that. So generally I say about that six week mark, like once you've been cleared to, to exercise again, it's definitely never too late to go to pelvic floor PT either. You know, if you're experiencing symptoms, like you said, 20 years down the road, it's definitely never too late to, to address those things. And, and I do see people all the time where it is 20 years down the road and they've been told that their only option is surgery. That's not, you know, that's not always the case. Um, so I definitely encourage people to, you know, be their own advocate and, and explore all the options. And I'm definitely not anti-surgery, but I think that, you know, a conservative care option can only help you, even if you do decide that surgery is a route for you. The, the physical therapy before and after is going to be really helpful and make your recovery a lot more smooth. Should every mom go to pelvic floor physical therapy? Would it be beneficial only if you're experiencing symptoms? What would your opinion be on that as well? So I really think that anyone who has had a baby should go see a pelvic floor physical therapist, whether that's, you know, just for a checkup or just to make sure that everything is going well, because you may not be having symptoms, but we could prevent something from happening, you know, 20 years down the road where maybe you can still do everything that you want to do and things may not feel exactly the same, but you're able to, to get through your, your everyday activities that you need to do. But that's not to say that there's some preventative care that, that can be done. It's kind of like, you know, if, especially if you have a C-section or any tearing during delivery, You'd get sent to physical therapy if you tore a muscle and your rotator cuff, but we're not getting sent to physical therapy after major abdominal surgery or tearing pelvic floor muscles. So we're just trying to make that all make sense. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely a reason to be your own advocate considering the fact mm-hmm. that we're in a country where it's not, I don't know if required is the word, but it's, it's not standard for a woman to go to mm-hmm. physical therapy after birth, like it is in other countries. So yeah. just equipping yourself with knowledge and asking your doctor at that six week mark for a referral or already having that relationship established is so important to mm-hmm. do. And you, you have to do that for yourself as a mom, you're already strong, you're already equipped. So do that for yourself, just like you would do it for your child. If they broke their arm or you know, tore their rotator cuff, right? You'd get them into Mm -hmm. physical therapy. So that's really important. Let's talk real quick about going during pregnancy. I didn't know I could go during pregnancy at all. (laughs) I wish I did, Mm -hmm. but I had really bad SPD pain during my second pregnancy. Yeah. So I'm just kind of asking this for myself. If I were (laughs) to have a third, I guess, but what can be done for different things, like different symptoms in pregnancy, round ligament pain, SPD pain, um, sciatic pain. What are things that physical therapy can help with during pregnancy for things like that? There are different, different exercises that can help with these pains that are going to be specific to each individual and what their demands are throughout the day. But if a support belt is helpful, that's, you know, that's something to try out. And if there are certain movements that feel good or don't feel good, like we definitely want to know about that. There are areas of, of weakness, especially with relaxing, just going through your body during pregnancy. 
Um, the best way to combat that is by strengthening those muscles to help support those, those ligaments a little bit better. So it's all very, you know, patient specific and everything, but I like to say motion is lotion. Moving is super helpful. <laughs> I love that. I love that line. Motion is lotion. It's so good yes. for you. <laughs> so good for you. So postpartum, every single mom, a few months after having their baby knows that their abs are weak. Obviously that can just, that just takes time to strengthen back. Hopefully mom out there listening, you're doing exercises that are safe for your core as it strengthens back up. But how can you tell the difference between having pelvic floor issues and any symptoms related to something that might be dysfunctional with your pelvic floor versus just having weak abs? Like what's the difference between that? Or is it the same? Are they related? Yeah, they are definitely related. So we have this, what I like to call our core canister in our body. And at the bottom, we have our pelvic floor muscles. And then we have all of the muscles that help to support the spine and the abdominal muscles that make up the sides of that canister. And then the diaphragm is on the top. So all of those work in unison and we want them to be coordinated. You know, it's one thing if they're strong, but if they're not not coordinated, then that can definitely impact that entire core canister as well. So if you think about that core canister, like a soda can, if you have, you know, a closed soda can and you go to step on it, it's not going to budge. That soda can is going to hold strong. Um, And that's comparable to if all of those areas of that core canister are strong, mobile, and coordinated. Now, if we have a hole in a soda can and you go to step on it, you can crush it pretty easily. And that's not to say that your body is going to be crushed by any means, but it just goes to show that if any area of that core canister is impacted, um, it affects the entire system. So they are typically related. That is such a good metaphor. It makes it so much more clear and how it's not just the, the ab, abdominal muscles in front that are related to everything going on. And also I think going back to you keep bringing up how pelvic floor physical therapy is so individualized again, Mm -hmm. strengthening the point that it's so important to advocate for yourself and go see a physical therapist, pelvic floor, physical therapist. And then also the solution to our pelvic floor issues is not just Kegels. (laughs) It's not the sole answer. What are some other Mm -hmm. things that go on during pelvic floor physical therapy? Like what are some other treatments and exercises that you use with your uh, patients that are beneficial to moms. I know, obviously you're not going to like give a prescriptive program (laughs) or answer because it's so individualized, but like, Mm -hmm. what are some other treatments used in pelvic floor physical therapy that aren't just Kegels? Cause I think I know when I first learned about it, I was like, oh, so they're just telling you how many Kegels to do all the time, but that's not at all what pelvic floor physical therapy is. Yeah. I hear that a lot where, you know, a patient of mine gets pregnant. They're like, I started doing all my Kegels and I'm like, okay, that's great. Like that. I want you to have a strong pelvic floor, but as far as like the act of giving birth, like we want those muscles to be able to relax and just get the heck out of the way so that you can safely deliver your baby. Yeah. So some other things that, that happen in pelvic floor physical therapy, um, there's deep breathing. That is where I start with almost every single person, just creating that mind muscle connection between your brain and your pelvic floor muscles and your core, especially during pregnancy and then postpartum, because everything is, is changing in your body. You want to maintain or restore that connection 
So that is one area. There's a lot of, of education that goes into pelvic floor PT, depending on, on your situation. And then, you know, if it's appropriate pelvic floor lengthening exercises to make your pelvic floor muscles a little more mobile, hip strengthening exercises, core back strengthening exercises, mobility exercises. So I, I look at it more of like a Yes, we're focusing on the pelvic floor, but it really is a whole body treatment. Yeah, because literally everything is connected. And so Mm -hmm. you can't just focus on the one thing and try to fix that one thing because there's other areas that are going to be weaker or stronger and need to be addressed as well. Mm -hmm. Are there any common myths or misconceptions? We talked about the Kegels, like they can be, they are used, but they're not Mm -hmm. like the only answer, right? Um, So that's one of the myths I feel like we've addressed, but are there any other ones you encounter with moms during pregnancy, during postpartum or any like concerning things you notice that you can educate moms around in the next few minutes? (laughs) I know it's a big topic to dive into, (laughs) but what are some myths and misconceptions you see during pregnancy and during postpartum just with movement and exercise and healing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we touched on this a little bit already on during pregnancy is that a lot of people are just like, well, I can't exercise anymore because it's not going to be good for my baby. And then on the same tune of, of not exercising, there is also the myth or misconception out there that exercise affects your ability to produce breast milk. And that is not the case at all either. Another thing is hearing you're cleared. And then some people who are just really go-getters, they hear you're cleared to go exercise and they go out and try to run five miles that day. And they're like, oh, this does not feel right. So it's definitely a slow and gentle rebuild back to what you were doing before. It's not like you just flip the switch and everything's going to be be back to the way it was. I know that you said your first workout back after Um, I can't remember if it was after your first or second, but just, you did not both. Okay. True. Fair. Um, you just didn't feel like yourself and it was hard, but you did it. And, um, you've shown that, you know, consistency and like you said is simple, but not easy. So I think that's, that's another thing that I see postpartum is people are just like, Oh, I could do this before. Why can't I do this now? So definitely being patient and giving yourself that, that grace and that time to, to rebuild. But to the same tune, there are things that you can do right away, like the deep breathing and simple like floor exercises, bridges, you know, gentle core exercises, things like that, all depending on your situation and what your, you and your healthcare provider have decided is best for you. And then just another one is that there are certain movements that are bad or not safe. And I, I would rather see people moving than not moving. And I have people come in all the time and say, well, I can't do crunches anymore. And that's not to say that you can't do them. You just want to be able to, to rebuild that mind muscle connection and be able to do them properly. There's nothing that's off of the table forever. After you have a baby, it's just relearning how to do those motions in the way that's, that's best and healthiest for you. That's so good to know that you're not totally banned from crunches or planks or whatever it is forever. It's just a matter of, I I love that you bring in the mind muscle connection because when I started seeing you, I have that, but you do lose it during pregnancy because certain muscles don't get activated really at all throughout your Mm -hmm. nine months. Like that's a long time to not think about or feel those muscles engage. And so to have to relearn how they work postpartum is a, is a process. So 
uh, when it comes to going back to fitness, it sounds like hopefully you go to a pelvic floor PT and learn some exercises that are safe to work into your daily routine. And then walking and different things that are safe for that early fourth trimester, um, is a safe place to start fitness wise. And not just saying, Mm -hmm. okay, I was doing this maybe even to like my third trimester in pregnancy, like some moms run, I don't know how they do it, but they can like (laughs) run through their pregnancy. They're just I've been beating some Turkey trots before by some pregnant women. So yeah, yeah. they're, well, you're really tall. Going. So <laughs> you're like, I wasn't a runner. I'm not a runner. That's not yeah. You're like, I'm not built for that. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm the same way. <laughs> Slow and steady wins the race. Yeah, but, um, for sure. When it comes to that postpartum, your body's changed so much. So it sounds like working back in safely again, in a very individualized way is the safest way to go. Are there any other things that a mom can do to aid in her recovery postpartum other than going to a pelvic floor PT, I should say in addition to, because hopefully just the last few minutes of listening to this interview, the mom listening right now is going, okay, I need to go schedule myself an appointment right now, (laughs) find a provider that's reputable and that I can trust. But what else would you say can aid in recovery aside from seeing a pelvic floor PT doing breathing exercises, trying to work on that mind muscle connection. What else can they do postpartum? I think the biggest thing is just, it's, it's not even about, you know, seeing another healthcare provider or anything that you can specifically do. But I would say the biggest thing is just being patient with yourself. Like your life has completely changed. So just being, being patient with yourself, knowing that just because right now things don't feel the way that they used to doesn't mean that they won't ever again, you know, with your body and that you have, you do have this new normal that you're facing, you know, as your family is growing and everything that would be, that would probably be my, my biggest thing is just being patient with yourself and giving yourself grace and, and trusting the process of getting back into doing what you were doing before. If that's even your goal, you know, your goals may change too. So I think just really being being honest with yourself and accepting that things are different, but, but working with where you're at and not losing sight of, of where you want to be either. And just giving yourself grace throughout that process. A truly humbling process. (laughs) A lot of letting go of control. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Are there any red flags that can come up during pelvic floor PT that you might go, Ooh, this is something I probably need to refer out to a surgeon for, uh, just, are there any red flags that maybe a mom notices is going on in her own body or that a provider didn't bring up or didn't notice that might warrant a referral out to surgery, or maybe they're in physical therapy and they feel like it was going well. And then a few months down the road, they're like, I think I need to be back in pelvic floor PT. Maybe this wasn't fully healed, or maybe I stopped doing what I was supposed to do. Um, what are some of those red flags that might come up that you would say, Ooh, like, it's either time to up-level the treatment or go back to pelvic floor PT. You know, it's nice that the the side effects of physical therapy and exercise, like there are very little to none. And so generally, if I don't see any improvement in about six weeks or things are just staying still, that's normally like a, a sign to be like, okay, maybe this person should not be seeing me let's, let's look into something else, whether that's a surgeon or, you know, I know with, with a lot of like runners or high impact moms, like athletes that are now moms, a pessary is a good option. 
for them as they strengthen their pelvic floor muscles, you know, and it's not a, not a forever thing, um, if they don't want it to be, but yeah, just working on, on strengthening and having that added device and a pessary is basically just to help with that heaviness and pressure that some women may feel during high impact activities. I was about to ask what that was. I was like, huh? <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. Sometimes they look like a little donut and sometimes they look like, um, like the top of a top, I guess. Um, okay. That makes sense. And then, yeah, you basically just insert it, um, into the vagina and it helps to support the, the pelvic organs. It's like a, a splint almost. Hmm. Cool. Okay. Interesting. But you would only do that in the case of, okay, this, this person's not improving. They're either, they have high requirements on their life that are athletics, sports, whatever, or mm-hmm. quality of life isn't improving, even with them doing their exercises consistently and work with you. Um, what does mom need to do outside of physical therapy? Because the treatments are great and the exercises that you give during a 30 minute session are impactful, but what needs to be done outside of pelvic floor PT to help a mom continue to improve and heal because just like anything else. And the person listening might not want to hear this. (laughs) It's not like (laughs) the most fun thing to hear, but just like fitness, um, just like nutrition, one salad, one workout, it's not going to get you to Mm -hmm. your goals. You have to do it day after day after day. So what's done outside of pelvic floor PT as a patient to help support healing. Yeah. So keeping up with exercises that are given in PT and I'm a big believer in printing things out and (laughs) instead of just relying on memory, um, you have that there with you and, um, just staying consistent with those. I mean, it's just like, just like anything you want to stay, stay consistent with it. I'm all about meeting people where they're at. So if I give somebody exercises and they're like, Oh, there's no way that I can get all of this done with what my week looks like this week, then, you know, I, I like to ask, okay, how often do you think that you could exercise or how long do you think that you can exercise for? So it is something that's, that's achievable. And there does come a point where it's like, okay, is, is this a priority or is it not like, if it's important to you, I don't want to say like, you'll make time because obviously there are things that are out of your control, but, um, just meeting people where, where they're at, making sure that what I would expect of someone to keep up with is also achievable for them so that there aren't these outlandish lofty goals that, you know, you'll still see progress with them as well. So consistency is definitely number one. Absolutely. Something that helped me, I think you told me to do this, but when you gave me the exercise, when you would give me exercises week to week, I'd put them as alarms in my phone. So whatever yes. I was doing, my <laughs> schedule is different every day. So whatever mm-hmm. I was doing at 8 a.m. or 5 p.m. or 11 a.m., I would be like, oh, there's some exercises. Like stop what you're doing for 30 seconds. Like it doesn't take forever. Mm-hmm. Do them and then carry on with what I was doing. And that helped a lot. So oh, you answered so many helpful questions because obviously pelvic floor healing does not just require Kegels. There's so much more that goes into mm-hmm. it. And there's so much more than just the muscles that are down at our pelvic outlet. It's our core canister. It's our back. It's our hips. I mean, I've got really tight hips. So just hearing that I'm like, man, I should probably focus in on my mobility there a little bit more. (laughs) It just affects everything. So thank you for sharing so much knowledge today. The main point I'm taking away is it's very individualized. And so even though you might have a lot of insight and answers from what Julie shared today, everyone's issues and pain and 
anything they're facing right now is unique. And so you need unique treatment. One person on Instagram or one Google search isn't going to give you exact answers for what you need. And it might give you some progress, but it's not going to give you that efficient, let's get you healed progress that you want. There's going to be a lot of trial and error. So I really appreciate you Mm -hmm. driving that point home because when you get educated on pelvic floor PT, it can be really easy to go, Oh, like here's some answers. And I can do this for my back and this with my core and these core exercises, and I'll feel better in a few months, but you might not. So it's really important Mm -hmm. to get that individual treatment. Um, Where can everyone find you and follow you and connect with you just to get more education and support, maybe slide into your DMS and ask some questions. If they have any, obviously Julie can't treat you. (laughs) She can't give you those specific answers because she hasn't, I mean, the initial exam that you give the initial questioning and just understanding was as I was sharing, I was like, Oh, I was making connections in my own head of, you know, might might be causing issues and what might be an actual issue Mm -hmm. that I didn't realize just by sharing with you. So hopefully you can see people in our area here in Vegas, but, um, where can people connect with you and, just get more information from you as well. I am on um, Instagram and Facebook at P5 Wellness Co. And then um, you can also find all my contact information on my website, which is Julie Hake, J U L I E H A A K E D P T.com. And that's got any way that you need to contact me. I'm there. And, um, I do free 30 minute discovery calls as well. So whether you are in the Vegas area or not, and you do have questions, I'm more than happy to to have a conversation with you and kind of create the best plan for you. See if, you know, if you're wondering if pelvic floor PT is appropriate for you or wondering where you can find one in your area. Um, I'm definitely more than happy to help with that as well. And again, any issue that you're having postpartum, I remember I initially had my discovery call with you because I was visiting my family in Mm -hmm. South Carolina. I was in so much back pain from the bed I was sleeping on and traveling and my pelvic floor being dysfunctional and my back pain was so unbearable. I started going to a chiropractor there. I was like, I was just calling up places. I was like, I need to be adjusted. Something is wrong. My back hurts so bad. And that chiropractor that I visited was the one who said, you might want to go to pelvic floor physical therapy. And I was like, well, I guess I need to find one of those. (laughs) And I was almost eight months postpartum at that time, which once I came to you, I was like, why did I wait so long to do this, to be treated, to solve these issues and learning how dysfunctional my, even though I'm active and healthy, I had issues going on and I didn't even know that they were causing the, the back pain and the core weakness. And, um, it's such an aesthetic thing, but you know, the, the pooch that moms get at the bottom, like that was hanging around big time. And I was, I, I didn't really care, but that was like a side effect that started to flatten out once after getting treated with you for a few months. So definitely reach out to Julie. You're just a wealth of information and support. And I appreciate you spending your time here today. Um, One final question that I ask every guest, the definition of tough love is expressing love to someone in a way that's straightforward because you care about them because you care about their well-being. And I feel like well-being is just encompassed by what you do. But uh, with that in mind, what do you want to leave these moms with today? Putting me on the spot here. It's a tough, (laughs) tough question. I think the, one of the biggest things I think that, I mean, I talked about, you know, giving yourself grace and everything, but also just being honest with yourself too, and recognizing when that grace and everything that you're giving yourself is not working in your best interest. So 
I think really listening and just taking a second to, to be still and find out, okay, am I needing to rest right now? Or am I just being lazy? Figuring out that that point for you is going to be super helpful and not just a pelvic floor PT realm, but, but really any aspect of your life. It's yes, you want to be kind to yourself, but when, when you need to be pushed, lean into that a little bit too. Yes. Do not, what's the word? Do not enable yourself, (laughs) right? (laughs) Be honest. And it's hard as a mom, at least because taking a second to be still and be honest with yourself and kind of Mm -hmm. like look around at what's going on and what might be going on inside your head takes slowing down. And it's hard to do that as a mom, but it is vital. So Mm -hmm. gosh, that was so wise. Thank you so much, Julie, for your time and your wisdom today. Oh, thank you so much. All these moms are going to reach out to you. I'm sure with questions. So thank you again. Yeah. And thank you for having me on this platform is amazing. And I'm so happy to see you, you know, reaching out and being able to reach all of these women who are going to benefit so much from what you're doing and what you're giving them. No, thank you so much. (laughs) Man, wasn't that such a helpful episode learning about the pelvic floor, learning about what pelvic floor PT can do for you. And gosh, I hope that you were able to stop and slow down like Julie talked about and just recognize and be honest with yourself with any issues you do have going on. Maybe your wheels started to turn in your mind of what might be causing the issues that you're facing or what you might be experiencing that you thought was normal and common but really it's not normal and it's not. You can have a better quality of life. That's what pelvic floor physical therapy can do for you. So again, make sure you go connect with Julie on Instagram or Facebook and check out her website if you wanna book a discovery call with her and just get some more insight on what might be a good path of treatment for you. Go ahead and book that with her on her website. I linked everything below. I hope this was super helpful for you today. Just being more educated is one of the best things we can do as moms, not only for our kids, but also for ourselves. So be your own advocate, go get yourself taken care of. Let's get that pelvic floor and your core strong and healthy and functional and mobile and all the things again. So your quality of life is good, not only for your well-being, but so you can show up as best you can for your kids. Before you go, thank you for spending this time with me on the Tough Love Mom podcast. If this episode encouraged you in any way, the number one way you can thank me is to leave a review, letting me know how the show has impacted you. Then send this episode to another mom friend or take a screenshot, post it on social media and tag me so I can personally thank you for helping me on this journey to impact thousands of moms. I'm so grateful to be on this journey with you, sister. Until next time, get after it.